Hello and welcome to another week of the First Issue Club. We are your weekly comic book podcast that guides you through the very muddy and very murky landscape of the comic book industry. This week we're talking about Assassin and Son, number one, and Loggerhead, number one. Two offerings from Scout Comics. You got it right, it's Scout Week. (laughs) This is our podcast version of Shark Week. And it's all Scout all the time, 24-7, in your face, filling up your Wednesday with first issues, baby. And just like Shark Week, we come once a year and are vastly overrated. That was Greg. He's a co-host of this podcast. We also have another co-host on the line here. Caitlin, say hello. Hello, everybody. It's good to talk to you both. Uh, Before we get into these two Scout comics, uh, let's hit the week in review for comic book news. Anything catch your comic book radar? Uh, it did for me. Uh, it was just announced by Marvel, their new December event, because it wouldn't be Marvel without an event every season. <laughs> uh, it's called The King in Black. Any guesses to what it's referring to, anyone? It's got to be uh, a symbiote suit. Oh, you're you're on the right track. Keep going, keep going. Or it could be... Silver Surfer Black. Oh, you're still on the right track. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Oh, there's more. Uh, does Thor now wears black and he is a king? Oh, you. I I think you've nailed it. <laughs> let me just l- let the it. The trifecta. Let me just let me just explain here. This is the these three kings <laughs> of gooey black goop. <laughs> <laughs> this is Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's. Uh, I guess ending point to their giant Null uh, storyline they've been writing for a couple years now. we got Venom in that. We have Null. We have Silver Surfer Black. I think Thor's going to be involved. Uh, It's called The King in Black. It's out in December 2020. And I think it's basically just going to be Null, who is the King in Black, against the Marvel Universe. The whole MCU. The whole kit and caboodle, as they say. He seems like, the way they've been building him up, he seems like the sort of character that demands the attention of the Avengers and everybody else. Do you think this will be like a one and done, they kill Noel and he never comes back again? Or do you think he'll be like a repeat villain for years to come? I bet he comes back. He seems pretty cool. I Yeah. I feel like they've kind of intertwined him with so many Marvel things now. Mm-hmm. And he's... And he's also, if you read Silver Surfer Black, he's also like been an entity that's transcended time and space a little bit. Right. So he might be one of those like lock him away in another realm sort of guys that like can't be killed. He's basically one of the newer cosmic villains. Yeah. He, he's primarily in space and he's just fucking around with other dimensions and other realities. So I agree. I think he's probably going to be a returning problem for our heroes in the MCU in the 616. That Venom book appearance has been spiking again. I can't remember what it was. This most recent Venom run, it's like number three or number six. Yeah, I think you're right. Some some multiple of three. <laughs> this is another good week to sell it Yeah. in the uh, wind up to this uh, event coming in December. Some 
ooh, hot, hot comics to get us through the cold <laughs> months. I am not ready for the cold months. <laughs> I uh, I watched Old Guard this weekend, which was a uh, image book turnt movie written by Greg Rucka. How was it? I really enjoyed it. I think it started off a little slow for me, and I was kind of nervous. But about 20 minutes in, I'm like, oh, I'm here for this. Like, it was, <laughs> they had rewritten enough of it to, like, make it really work as an action movie, but stay true to, like, the few things that made the story really interesting and engaging. So I I loved it. I think it was one of the better comic book adaptions I've seen in a minute. Really? Yeah, I really liked it. I heard a little interesting movie fact about this particular movie. If you're interested in hearing it. I love movie facts. So I heard it from our friends over at Debates on Tap that the director of this movie is the first black female director to ever direct an action movie. An action movie, period? Yes. Not like a comic book movie? Correct. Probably both, to be honest. Dear God. It's 2020, (laughs) folks. That's incredible. It should not have taken this long. No. Wow. I cannot believe that. But kudos to her. That's fucking awesome then. Uh, yeah. From what you were saying, I guess the choreography, the the fighting choreography was like insane in this movie. Oh, my God. It was so good. Part of what I was like thinking about going into the movie was that you've had these trained assassins for like, you know, 500 years they've been killing people. Part of, If you don't know the premise of the movie is that these People um, who are younger in age get like murdered and then they come back to life and realize that they're semi immortal, that they're going to live for at least like 500 years. Yeah. How do you become semi immortal? They don't know. It's something that's just like, it's never even, it's not explained in the comic as far as I can remember. And I don't, it's not explained in the movie. So it's kind of like Wolverine. Like, it's really hard to kill Wolverine, but you you can do it. You're invincible, but only for 500 years. And then it just wears <laughs> off. And then it just turns off like a light. It's got a 500-year shelf life. It's my 500th birthday, Dad. <laughs> I tell you what, it added a lot of suspense to, like, every time someone got shot. Otherwise, there would be no stakes, right? True, exactly. <laughs> just be like, well, I guess I don't have to worry. They literally <laughs> cannot die. Oh, they'll be back. <laughs> awesome. Well, I can't wait to check it out. Oh, I'll say what me and Caitlin's and Greg's favorite show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, not getting renewed for a fifth <gasps> season. R.I.P. What? Which is sad. Uh, I know that a couple fans have started a petition that's gotten something like 80,000 signatures or something crazy. Oh, my goodness. Which you would think if there's enough people to sign a petition 80,000 times. Yeah. Think about, like, I'm not a petition signer. I'm not going to, like, seek that out and, like, sign an online thing because I like a TV show. And I'm assuming there's way more people like me than there are, like, mega fan petition signers. Yeah. So (laughs) there's got to be a shit ton of people who watch the show. Maybe it's just uh, it's time was up and the creators wanted to stop it, too. But I I know that I just read that... uh, it wasn't getting renewed. Aren't they currently working on season four right now? Yeah, they're doing season four now. And apparently, I, okay. I read somewhere that there's a rumor that what would have been season five gets done as a comic book. Oh, okay. Well, so not a total loss. So maybe we'll get that in the future. And maybe our uh, our dear, dear friend Kelly Thompson will write that one. Who knows? Friend, yeah. friend of the show, we can finally say. <laughs> 
Fingies crossed. I said, dear, dear friend, like we know her. We do not. <laughs> I text her all the time. We interviewed her. We she interviewed never her responds, once. She was but... <laughs> very cool to us. <laughs> she never responds. She always leaves me on red. <laughs> I just like to know that she's there. <laughs> you doing okay, Kelly? <laughs> uh, well, I think we had some one fun bit of news before we get into the sour bit. Um, Mike, I don't know if you read this or not, but Gary Larson. The creator of Farside is back with new comics. What? No way. It's been 25 years. That's crazy. 25 lonely years. And he he's putting out um They're some, digital. So yeah, they're digital. He's he's working on tablets now. He's he's doing digital art. And so they're back. They're brand new comics that they're on his website. It's just like single panel like one thing. Yes. Classic Larson. It, yeah. Classic Gary, just one panel jokers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I hope they're, they're not racist or anything. No, that, <laughs> thank God. Gary Larson, <laughs> unlike Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, is a not a flaming racist. <laughs> Have you like, seen, speaking of like weird um, uh, syndicated comics, did you see that there's this new wave of like conspiracy on the internet right now that there's a comic strip of John from Garfield drinking a cup of dog semen. What? Of that, course you would know about this, Gregory. That the actual creator of Garfield drew? No, no, no. The the character, John Arbuckle, Garfield's owner slash master. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Slash lover. Is this fanfic? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I wish I had the clip to give you. But it's it. I don't. I don't know if I want to see it. So like the bit is is like John Arbuckle is visiting Garfield at the vet, and one of the bits that they do is John always hits on Liz, the veterinarian. Yeah. And so. Oh, this we all we all know this. Uh, of course. I, yeah, this is. <laughs> it's just common knowledge. John hits on Liz, and Kathy loves chocolate. Two things that we know for <laughs> sure in the comic world: the Sunday funnies. Ack, ack, ack. <laughs> But so in the bit, he dr- he tries to drink hot coffee to impress Liz. Because all women are impressed by that. That's how I got you. <laughs> I drink oh, a, I drink a gallon hot of hot coffee. <laughs> oh, he likes it black. Wow. Chugged it. Just chugged it. <laughs> and so John's like, are you impressed, Liz? And Liz goes, well, congratulations, John. You're soon to be expecting a litter in your stomach. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the joke is... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I follow. It is. Was this never published? Is that what you're saying? No, it was published. It was actually oh, published. Okay, it was like in the '90s, so it kind of flew under the radar because the internet <laughs> wasn't really hopping back then. Right. Oh, my but goodness. but two theories are are emerging from this scenario. One, John confirmed drank dog semen. Uh-huh. Two, Liz jerked off a dog into a coffee cup. Or three. She was messing with him. <laughs> I like to believe in, in, in <laughs> fantasies. And I like to That's a fantasy? That John Arbuckle now has a tummy full of dog babies. Okay. <laughs> we so. all like to believe what we like to believe, I guess. <laughs> Mike, is that enough happy before we get into the sad? I think it actually fits right in. It segues nicely. <laughs> yeah. Uh. All I th- we were originally looking at uh, Scout Week as a trifecta of comics, 
and Everglade Angels was a book that came out this week, was maybe one of the more high-profile books. It's written by Blake Northcott, who is a female writer. She's done a handful of sci-fi novels and a couple other comic books in the past. Uh, Caitlin and I read Executive Assistant Iris. Oh, yes. Yes, of, yes, of yes. A, a secretary slash ancient warrior. <laughs> <laughs> which was just mind, a mind-boggling collabo, so we had fun with that one. But in some um, unfortunate news that's unfortunately becoming um, way too common, um, there's a couple of creators on this book that didn't meet our criteria for um, books to cover. Uh, Scott or Lobdell. decent humans. Right. Uh, Scott Lobdell, if you haven't heard of him, he's written a handful of DC comic books in the past and he's had some allegations come out recently about sexual harassment and grooming with Rock Upchurch or John Upchurch as he's being credited on this book for art changed his kind of writer name or artist name to his his actual name and got back into comics after stepping away for a while. I believe in like 2013, 2014, Greg, about that time. Yeah, when he was um yeah, when he was doing Rat Queens. Right. Um and he I mean there I there's no good way to say it. Uh got arrested for spousal abuse and the account is pretty um graphic and upsetting and i didn't think we'd ever see this guy in comics again but um the names name change initially threw me um one of the things that i think is is appalling and abhorrent um that you're seeing with both of these creators and john upchurch and scott lobdell is that Upchurch recently went to Image with a book where wherein the the story revolves around a character who was a once celebrated hero who was slandered and defamed and then reemerges victorious to right the wrongs of her past and and then Scott Lobdell wrote Red Hood as a tragically flawed character in search of redemption so mm-hmm. it it seems like they're both writing their own hero stories yeah i applaud them for searching for redemption but like maybe do that instead of just write how you want it to go for you right and hope that people get that and do that for you it adds a layer of film and and grossness to what they've done i think here to come back and and profit off of a redemption story when you haven't redeemed yourself. No, no redemption. Yeah. And the fact that John Upchurch just straight up changed his name to to hoodwink people is fucking appalling. I mean, I get that there are are there's not really very many examples of this, but if you want to try to stay in the game, why not come out very publicly and state what you are doing for your own redemption? I think there's like a path back to that that doesn't just involve trying to trick people. It just seems so gross. Yeah, it's like it, it it proves the point that you haven't learned anything except how to trick people and you think people's like memories and recollections of you and your misdeeds 
will be just erased if you give it enough time, which is not how you change or redeem yourself or, you know, make yourself a better person. And it's kind of not enough when you're in the spotlight to just be like, I won't do it again. (laughs) Like you have to like commit to some, (laughs) like to some actual work in the communities that you've harmed or, you know, I, I just feel like it, it can be more public. We can, I'd like to see more examples of people doing this a different way instead of trying to fly under the radar and, and keep business as usual. Right. Right. I, I know that John slash Rock Up Church has gone to counseling, but I mean, that's, that's one thing to your point, Caitlin. I mean, there's, there's an, it's another thing to get involved in the community and, and put yourself out there and try to do more than just uh feel redeemed and then come back and write redemption stories um a lot of these guys books and characters revolve around strong women so it's it's just extra odd that they don't have respect for women also do a better job at changing your fucking name moron (laughs) (laughs) yeah up church is the problem dipshit it's the it's the name that people recognize. Honestly, his his art is so recognizable. Yeah, that is very true. That yeah. there's there's nothing he could do. I don't think. I ordered this comic just thinking there was a um uh who did the yeah cover? Was it Jay Lee? Yes. Yep. You got it. And I thought the cover was sick, so I I ordered that, and now I'm not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could probably sell it online. <laughs> but it is what it is. I think the best thing we can say about this book is that we recommend you go read Executive Assistant Iris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean. I think it was just undercut by the negative things going on for Yeah, it. and I don't know what to say to or about Blake Northcott in this situation. I mean, I don't know much about her as a person. I think it's shitty to have to go through this process of trying to get an original story published and then have your collaborators be involved with something that's you know gonna dissuade people from picking up your book and supporting you as an artist so i know this was kickstarted and yeah i don't know how long ago or to even say like how it came together if if maybe she was put with the team or if it was more of a hand-picked situation just not i don't know enough to really make a call on that but i do know i've enjoyed other books of hers i know the rock up church stuff was uh has has been around for a long time the scott lobdell stuff is is more recently surfaced yeah and i think that's going to become a more popular thing the rob Lobdell thing people are just starting to come around to the idea and concept of what grooming actually is it's a hard concept to explain to people without really making them scratch their heads but it is um a very sneaky tactic that mostly men use to corrupt and influence young women into eventually becoming toys for for the men when they become of age essentially uh i'm reading some tweets about lobdell that are just like so disgusting oh no did he drink a ca- a coffee cup full of dog <laughs> semen? <laughs> Is he John Arbuckle? You know what? I think it sounds like we would all prefer that he had done that. Yeah, rather Scott than Lobdell, what he actually if you did. See a coffee do. cup full of dog semen. Chug a lug, buddy. Arbuckle yourself. Arbuckle. <laughs> Hashtag Arbuckle yourself. Uh, Slurp some Odie. 
we'll, we'll think of more names for, for that after the break. <laughs> now let's get this podcast started. All right. First up, we are talking about loggerhead number one. Of course, it's Scout Week. It's out on Scott Comics. It looks like the tagline here is Bloody Bayou. I didn't realize that when I first read it, but loggerhead semicolon Bloody Bayou. That sounds like a sweet (laughs) ACDC song. (laughs) It's written and uh, with art by Brian Silverback, so he's double dipping here. Uh, Caitlin, do you have a synopsis of what Loggerhead is about? I sure do. Loggerhead involves the U.S. divide and a great war that give us an apo- a post-apocalyptic society in which aliens exist among us and deadly spirits protect a group of kids navigating the new world. Well, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. (laughs) So Loggerhead the monster appears to be a uh, is a mutated boy who turns into a turtle beast. We've all heard this story before. Who protects these once sacred lands. And he's pretty dope looking, wouldn't you say? He's yeah, he's pretty righteous looking. He reminds me of um, the turtle from Ninja Turtles. Two, yes. Um, he has that really sm- long snout, like a snapping turtle, and yeah. he stands on his two legs like a big boy, <laughs> and uh, he's got a spiky, scaly back. And people made fun of him when he was a boy, and so you feel for him, and now he's this protector. Right. First of all, if I knew a, a human who was turning into a giant snapping turtle, the last thing I would do, the last <laughs> thing I would do, would call that person names. <laughs> I would, good point. I would befriend them as soon as possible. Sense of self-preservation. So a, a lot of the comic is some teenagers who are like half either alien or mutated from the fallout of this war are sitting around a campfire telling stories about Loggerhead. I think that was a bit that was a big piece of the enjoyable part of this book for me. How they seem removed from anything um at large going on because there are some other groups that you get introduced to and they just seem to kind of be like surviving chilling trying to camp and like figure out if loggerheads real and then if they're gonna see him again once they discover he is and just they're basically gypsies yeah just running the wasteland <laughs> regaling people of the tales of loggerhead Taking in new stragglers just <laughs> to their gang of yeah. wayward children. My my favorite story arc involves a new kid that is brought into the group. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, and I think bringing in a new person is round upon. They're all familiar with each other and know that they're safe. So when they bring this new kid who, you know, looks human, she shrugs and is like, well, I hope you guys will take me. And as he shrugs, you notice that his hand is a fucking claw and everyone immediately changes their mind. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, cool. He's a freak boy. Get the freak boy in here with us. 
I love that later he also like gains their respect by suggesting that he and Loggerhead might be related, and everyone's like, "Oh, <laughs> new kid, you're the best, <laughs> Claw Boy. You, we love you more <laughs> than ever now." <laughs> they spent a lot of time on this new kid. Yeah. So was was anyone else uh, surprised when he got? laser knifed to the head <laughs> through through his brain. Fucking murked. I, I really was. <laughs> this author hated this kid. He's like, I got nowhere to go with this kid. Well, and like, yeah. they all are clearly mourning the loss of their new king because they like have a funeral and they're yeah. like just really distraught by someone that they've known like. <laughs> a total of four hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's my question. If you were in the wilderness and met somebody and had known them for four hours, and then they died. Yes. Would you? I wouldn't even bury. Yeah. Him. Would you dig a grave? No. I mean, he was king of the jokes. He was, he was gonna lead them. If I was one of these, <laughs> quote unquote, alien kids, mutant kids, I, all I'm seeing is fresh meat and let's start a fire and eat the prankster king, because he's good eats. <laughs> I think though the the girl who's particularly distraught by it is the one that he was like saying the night before he was just ruthlessly killed that he was just like thank you I s- appreciate you guys taking me in so much and she was the one who kind of brought him into the fold so maybe that makes more yeah. sense but it just seemed a little like the pink girl with the huge elf ears All right ears. so you're going to waste time knowing that this giant monster creature is out there and a gang of men is following you but yes go ahead and have you know, a long, drawn-out funeral. Caitlin, can't you tell she's carrying his seed? <laughs> oh, God. She just watched the father of the unborn child she's carrying get domed by a laser knife. <laughs> I, I heard future mutants gestate in a matter of days. So Also, she has to lay an egg. <laughs> I don't think, is this a one-shot? Because it gave no indication of where this was going. I looked because the ending was so, like, final. That it really surprised me. It is a one shot. Oh God! End For question real? mark. <laughs> yeah, it did say end question mark. <laughs> you know when a book ends like that, it is for sure the end. I just noticed that Loggerhead has a little skirt, too. Oh, so it may be a woman. It's. I mean, it's a boy, but Lagris it just. Head. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> they so they did a lot of world building with zero payoff. For a one shot, yeah. Well, I guess we don't. We're not. We're not in suspense of whether or not Loggerhead is real because he kills people throughout the entire comic. Yeah, right. He kills people in the beginning, middle, and end. What What I'm, I guess, most upset about is we see a lot of brutality in this book. Yeah. But Loggerhead has to wear like a kilt because he obviously <laughs> has a human penis. <laughs> Show us the human penis. Speaking you of cowards. All, speaking of that brutality, though, that part. That those parts were kind of like entertainingly gruesome. Yeah, there's the dude one knows how to draw violence. Yeah, yes, there like there's like a slicing off half of a guy's face. There's also like where in the beginning where the claws of loggerhead go straight through another person's face from the back of their skull. It was pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, this book is literally for you're gonna want this in your collection if you like weird pulpy indies with lots of violence correct i don't know if you th- love b horror movies you're gonna want to pick this i don't up. i don't know that anyone else is gonna be that interested in it just because it's so niche i guess in what it's doing so if you dig the cover and you're down for some turtle murder 
pick up Loggerhead out on Scout. Scout week. <laughs> I'll, turtle murder. I'll pay that would have been a really turtle good Turtle murder. Loggerhead. Turtle, turtle murder. <laughs> I, I want to pay the some respect to the creator. It is a hard job to write, color, yeah. and draw your own book. And for the yeah. most part, this guy did pretty all right. So kudos to this creator. That was, it, kudos. That was, was a good job. Brian Silverbacks. Official first issue club kudos. And those are hard to give out because <laughs> we don't have many of them. What do you guys think of the fun games they play, which is throw rocks <laughs> through window? <laughs> oh, I forgot. So you go, he's like, score. What, what else would you do point okay, value well, for those? Well, clearly, yeah, and clearly the other kid says mine was bigger, so it's like the the bigger crash you get when you throw it into a window, yeah. the more points you get. I don't think there's any kind of judging there that is not biased by any means because this group of kids obviously probably formed two hours before they met New Claw Kid, <laughs> and they've all are just you know, unified in their, <laughs> their well, journey Prankster against King the wasteland. was going to judge all their contests, and now he can't, so. He can't judge shit. No. Oh, yeah, so that was Loggerhead. <laughs> that was Loggerhead. <laughs> Bloody Bayou. Turtle murderer. <laughs> Turtle murderer. <laughs> Turtle murderer. <laughs> Next up on the podcast, we are talking about Assassin and Son, number one, out on, you know who it's out on, Scout Comics, Scout Week. <laughs> Caitlin, how how about a synopsis on Assassin and Son? Yes. Okay. So this first issue is a profile of several horsemen to come, including war, famine, pestilence, and death who might soon help guide and give way to a new generation of assassin. The end. Well put. We meet each of these horsemen who are essentially a gang of assassins. The best of the deadliest. Ooh. The best of the deadliest. Man, what a line. <laughs> I have that tattooed on my back. <laughs> I think most noteworthy or why you would know this comic is that it was written by Shad Gadsbird, who was a member of Crime Time, a uh, WWE wrestler who uh, passed away recently. Uh, he had written this comic before he passed away, and Scout is giving all the proceeds to his family. So if you've got uh, five bucks to spare for a digital copy and are a WWE fan, you might want to check this one out. Otherwise, who is Assassin and Son for? Assassin and Son is for people who love Spawn comics in the 90s. I get a Spawn vibe from this, for sure. The artwork is very reminiscent of that kind of graffiti-esque, big proportion style from like Spawn. And what was that vampire comic you really liked in the 90s, Mike? Crimson. Crimson. I got huge vibes from all this. Other than that, it's for people who really love WWE wrestlers and comic books. 
and the four horsemen. I think that was one of my issues is that I, because it was so much profile, it wasn't necessarily able to do much of world building or drop you in. It couldn't really do either because it really did focus on highlighting who the main characters of the story are going to be. But that is really all that I could get from this first issue. So I, I mean, I know that there are synopses out there that go into a lot more than what you get in the first issue. But you definitely get a good idea of who you're going to be reading about. Yeah, you can tell it's a really big idea with a lot of characters and um, a plan. But I, I just yes. feel like I didn't get enough to make sense of it. So there's so much of a plan that each of the horsemen has their height and weight under their name. <laughs> it's also pretty interesting because it says um, story slash screenplay slash creators, Shad Gaspard and, and Mark Copani. So I think that like maybe it was designed to maybe go beyond this medium or maybe that's something that people put a lot, like story screenplay yeah, in, totally. in lieu of like storyboard, but... It definitely seemed like it could have been an intro sequence to like a movie. The, so the synopsis promises um, that this will be a gritty urban western set in present day New York. Um, and it follows a father and son. And he's kind of passing down the consequence of his actions to his, his son's life. And we don't really get much of that in this comic. I think we meet his son very briefly. Correct. If at all, I think that at the beginning of the book. In like a flash forward. Yeah, there's a, a kid who has apparently shot somebody. That's uh, another another thing that like maybe this book was just fun in that spawn sense that it was like. Just chaos everywhere. Cr- yeah, crime, chaos, one-liners. And if, again, that's kind of your cup of tea then uh, this would probably be a fun one. It's uh, it's it, it introduced a lot of cool, interesting ideas. And I can imagine if I was like a freshman and sophomore in high school and I was just kind of looking for new, different comics to read and I was really into like the WWE and I knew these guys, yeah. I would be like super into this book. But the the writing is a little clunky. And in some parts... Slightly toned. <laughs> there's um. I, yeah, I think there's you're some, thinking there's some, of one particular instance. There's so some it's not wordage the entire, in here. It's yeah. not the entire book. It doesn't read um like like it's incomprehensible. But it, it, there's one particular yeah point that yeah. was a little problematic. Some words just catch you, don't they? <laughs> They certainly do. Oh, they'll just smack you right across the face, and you're just like, I don't know if I want to read the rest of this book, uh, totally. to be completely honest. Even if you're like, the character said it. I'm not saying it. It's like, still. <laughs> right. Who do you think wrote the words for the character, my, dumbass? My mental gymnastics, I was going, it said 12 years earlier, so this is like, you know, in an earlier time, like, it's still not really okay. I mean, you, we can, we can get those words out of our... There are a literal hundreds of words they could have inserted into that sentence, and they just chose the worst option. Can you guys think of better jobs to pass on? What career would you like to see a comic book for where a job is passed on to a son? Oh, I got one right now. Okay. So 
the the father is a garbage man. <laughs> but like he he started his own company, like his own garbage company. And like he takes a lot of pride in it and he wants to pass off his trash dynasty to his progeny. Trash dynasty. <laughs> I, you've already you've already named it. Yeah, that's a great name, Trash Dynasty. <laughs> because I mean, I think ever since I was a kid, like the allure of being a trash man is always something. You, they drive these oh, big, for sure. cool trucks that crush things every day. And then when I got older, I was like, oh my god, trash men make how much money? <laughs> and uh, you know, it's not a bad career if you don't mind the the everyday minutia of digging through people's garbage and waking up super early. What? Well, that's one of those jobs that like every time I see a trash truck go by, I think like, what's it going to be like when I have to do that? <laughs> it's a lot like the drowning in quicksand thing where you're just like, when that happens to me, what am I going to do? So you've already <laughs> reserved yourself <laughs> to the fact that you will one day be a trash man. There are just certain things. Or that is this like, Something that you're like dirty jobsing for yourself, like <laughs> imagining I have to do this now. What is it like? There are certain things that in my head just like seem inevitable. <laughs> and trash man ended up on your list. And trash man is one of those things like the um, heart needle from Pulp Fiction is one of those things, too, Ugh. where I'm like, am I yeah. going to be able to do that when yeah. I like the time comes? I don't know that I can. <laughs> I've always had this thing where that I'll be trapped in an elevator and I'll have to like deliver a baby. Say, yeah, exactly right. Delivering a baby is another one of those things. Right. And it's just like, should I be Googling how to deliver a baby <laughs> sans hospital? Because yeah. it seems like it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that instead of hypotheticals where you're just like, positing if if you feel equipped or if there are things that you would even consider doing to feel more equipped but instead it's like some oracle has come to you both and said at, i can't tell you when but at a certain point this is going to be a part of your life <laughs> and like that's how you're treating it always carry around latex gloves gregory this <laughs> this will be uh my comic pitch will be obstetrician and son <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, the first thing that came to my head, and I'm not even going to try to come up with anything better or cooler, was like a soup maker, which is just a chef. <laughs> but I thought soup maker specifically. So soup maker and son. And it's called tailored life. My tailored life. Wait, what? No, like soup. Suit. Not like suit. soup. <laughs> oh, S-O-U-P. You're yes. a soupist. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it can still be called Taylor and Son. For the love of borscht. I don't it's know. Just, it's just their last name is Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> All three jobs that should definitely be inherited. <laughs> Shouldn't be based on aptitude or desire. Did exactly you guys ever right. think from your long histories of watching TV as kids and adolescents that you would one day come across a bomb that you would have to defuse. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And like, I and I still don't know which wires to cut. They change okay. every time. Yeah. Okay, so I actually have <laughs> I've been uh watching the newest season that was up on Netflix of Riverdale. Betty tries to do this as if she has any yeah. clue 
I got through that episode. Oh my, why? Why is this a thing? We're still giving kids the idea that you could be able, yeah, I mean, you could reasonably figure it out. You just YouTube it. <laughs> yeah. Quick Reddit search. How to defuse bomb. I don't know. Are you an investigative reporter for your high school newspaper? You could probably figure it out then. Here's probably a good clue. Cut them all. <laughs> just... <laughs> Isn't that how it's supposed to be? Like, I don't think if you cut one, the whole thing fucking blows up. In the movies, there's always one that's like a trip switch that like actually sets it off. I think that's Hollywood It speeds it up until it gets to two seconds. (laughs) And then there's that one wire that just ends it at one second. Even if there's 30 seconds. (laughs) Man, Riverdale. What have you been watching, Mike, on Netflix? Now, by the way, that was Assassins and Sons. We've moved on. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so this segment is what you've been watching. Um, I started that um, Warrior Nun. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. The first season's been fun so far. Um, I'm like maybe halfway through it, and it's definitely just brain candy watching. Hell yeah. Um, I watched a movie. I don't know if I've asked you guys about this one, but this would be my obscure Netflix movie to watch. I want to say it's called The Witch, and it's not VV Witch. It's okay because I was going to say we won't watch VV Witch. This is <laughs> you can, but I will cower. This is a foreign movie called The Witch, Part One: The Subversion. And why don't I give you like at least like some of the first part of it? Yeah, hit us. There is a small school in this like tiny town in Japan and the high school girls there go to like one of those American Idol style competition shows that's like what's your talent and this girl sings and they're like if there's anything else you can do or any other talents yeah and she does this thing that's like off screen that's that's apparently like incredible right and she brings in a cauldron as she moves on through the competition like right. her you know her parents are mad at her and they're like why did you do that like we don't want people to know you can do it and you you just don't know what the thing is and then people start seeking her out because they see her do this on tv does the trick involve ping pong balls stop jeez <laughs> no. yikes and I'll, I'll just say that you will be happy with where the movie goes. <laughs> we will be? Yes. Or Greg will be specifically no, after no, that No, not Greg. No, you'll be. <laughs> if you're looking for, for whatever, I'm not even going to repeat what you said. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to be satisfied. But <laughs> it turns into kind of like a fun action movie. Okay. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, I'm into that. It's really cool. It's really cool. The Witch Part 1. The subversion, and that's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, yeah. Dope. Um, we just finished watching um the first season of Dave. You know what that is? I don't think I do. Are you familiar with the rapper Little Dicky? Oh yes. You know what? I I watched that show. How did I not know? And I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we it was. So I I listened to his music first and then watched the show and I was expecting something completely different than what the show was. Yeah. Completely. Completely. <laughs> di- Whoa, everybody. <laughs> I I wonder how real like his whole stage name and presence and shtick being 
uh, spun out of the idea that he's got a weird penis. <laughs> like, how much of that is, like, based in reality? He goes so detailed with it, though, that I, I kind of would be shocked if it wasn't a little bit a part right. of his real story. Totally. It seems like it is. To base so much of your onstage persona around something that is just a thing that you made up that may or may not be a real condition. Right. <laughs> I love the story arc with the guy who's... Is it is he bipolar? Yes. Oh, Gata? Yeah, that episode yeah. wrecked me. That's one of the That best episode ones. was great. It was so good. And I mean, you really like there's there's not a lot of things I feel like that do a good job of like showing what mental illness is like. And given I don't know how accurate or inaccurate it was, but it it, it was good enough that it made you like really feel for this guy and for people with that uh disorder for sure and i really liked that it didn't just focus on the mania but also focused on like how it feels to be over medicated or just not to have the right kind of treatment and deal with that in addition to having this problem so yeah that's gotta suck to be like your meds are what keep you balanced but like you don't feel like yourself when you're on them yeah like what a what an awful in between world to live in but right like a band-aid that's not even very good <laughs> yeah it's better than the alternative of having you know manic and depressive episodes but oh right do you guys want um a little dave trivia sure, sure. so the actor who played gata had never acted before in his life what really that's crazy he's so good he was to top so it good off, that's Little Dicky's actual hype man in real life. Well, I know that's how they list him in the credits is just Gata. So I was like, that's got to be yeah, you that, know, a real. That they've, they've known each other since 2013 when they started like performing together. That's nuts. So, and I, I read an article about him explaining all this. And I can't remember if, if the bipolar thing is actually true for Gata or, or something, but... Um, Man, his performance during that episode, you would not have thought this was his first acting um, performance. No, he was, was great. It was incredible. I I was also, I, I have been watching um, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and that has been fantastic. I'm not through all of that's available on Hulu yet, but, um, and I, ha- I don't think I read any of the comics. No, there were some comics, and then you, you told it me was, it was a... Yeah. It had been adapted because it was a series uh, by Douglas Adams. Who did Hitchhiker's Guide, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's 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 a delight. It's got Elijah Wood in it. Yeah. It's got a lot of like really great actors that and of of course in like true Douglas Adams style, there's like fifteen different points of entry into a story and like <laughs> they all got their own things going on and are going to eventually converge. But um it's really good. Yeah, it's I've, that's been on my to watch list for a long time i need to get to it i think you'll enjoy it it's really fun yeah so was that scout week (laughs) was that our (laughs) scout episode that was scout week hope you uh scouted during scout week if you're scouting tonight then uh i hope you scout well scout safely scout well and scout often exactly right this has been first issue club saying scout out bye
This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.